Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another enlightening episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we discuss topics across the Cisco portfolio to give you the insights you want and hopefully need. Today, we are talking about the Cisco Catalyst 9000 switching family and how it can help deploy a platform to get the bandwidth, speed, and scale required to support today's hybrid work. To represent what you, our listener, wants to know and to help drive the conversation, we have Cisco champion host Dan Kenyon Michelin and Cisco expert Sean Wargo with us here today. Um, so we're going to get into meeting our cast. Sean, we're going to start with you. Can you tell us more about who you are and what exactly you do here at Cisco? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, so I'm in a group called Technical Marketing. Um, it's just like it sounds. Uh, it, I actually do work for marketing. Um, so when you think of you know fancy commercials and those kind of things, um, but particularly the technical side of that, right? So I work directly with engineering uh, and my marketing counterparts uh, as we're developing new products. Uh, so I'm kind of known as the next generation guy. Um, I you know you might have seen my name from. Uh, Catalyst 9000 previously, but also things like software-defined access. So I was actually working on them before they were Cat9K and before they were SD access. So uh, therefore, you know, also working on these new Catalyst 9000 X series switches um, that we've just recently launched. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not like just one little product and we kind of like kick it out the door. Uh, it's no less than uh, four separate product families um, across access and core. Um, so, you know, your listeners might remember, of course, the 9300 and 9400 in the access, 9500, 9600 in the core. So, uh, you know, this is adding to that. In fact, uh, I like to joke that the X, uh, it's, it's not a replacement, uh, you know, it's not a next gen and, and you're going to just throw away your existing uh, switches. Uh, but we're actually extending or expanding the Catalyst 9000 family. So that's where, you know, they're they're named the same way, right? So 9300X, 9400X, 9500X, 9600X. Um, and, you know, uh, all the things you would expect, uh, you know, lots more speed, a lot more scale. Um, and then other things we've been talking about recently, like, uh, you know, hybrid work and uh, other trends, Wi-Fi 6E. So that's me. So you work on a lot, and there's a lot to unpack here. So we're going to get on to our hosts, uh, and they're going to help us drive this conversation uh, and pick your brain. So Michelin, I'm going to go backwards. I usually go in alphabetical order. I'm going to go backwards because I want to start with you. Michelin, tell us about yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Micheline Murphy. I'm a CSC at uh, Worldwide Technology, which is a Cisco partner. Uh, previous to that, I was an implementation engineer, uh, and I specialized in Cisco ACI designs. Uh, builds, troubleshoots, uh, and before that, I was a trial lawyer, uh, so I am happy to be here. Hello, everyone. All right, Kenny, you're up next. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Kenny Paula. I'm a network security or what we call information security professional these days. Um, that's part of my day job, and my superhero job is being an IT instructor. Um, where we teach cybersecurity classes and the whole Cisco networking portfolio. Um, very happy to be here and join this conversation. Happy to have you. All right, Dan, last but not least, my friend, who are you? First, I want to say thanks for not making me follow Sean, so I appreciate that. You're very uh, welcome. <laughs> usually I end up following the Cisco people and they've got, I'm like, ah, 
Uh, I'm Dan Kelcher. I am a enterprise network and cybersecurity solutions architect with Meridian IT. Uh, yeah, also do the teaching things. So uh, CCNA, A+, those kinds of fun courses. Um, worked with the Catalyst line for as long as I can remember. So excited to be here and talk about what's coming. All right. Okay, Sean, we're going to kick it back to you. So before we get into the conversation, is there anything you want to share with us, background, context, what have you? Well, um, you know, I mentioned that, you know, the Catalyst 9000 X-Series is kind of purpose-built for some of these trends that we've been talking about, uh, Wi-Fi 6E, uh, hybrid work, um, you know, IoT. And, and in fact, a lot of these things, you know, talk about a trend. Uh, they've been going on for years and years, uh, but they're really coming to a head with um, the pandemic and changing the way that we work. Um, so the, you know, the nature of Wi-Fi, of course, is going to continue to evolve. You know, the nature of, of Ethernet wiring continues to evolve. These things, you know, are kind of expected, but how we've actually built them uh, is is rather unique. So, um, you know, with hybrid work, it you know, it means many things to different people. Um, and in fact, I really want to hear from the team uh, how they interpret hybrid work. You know, for Cisco, it, you know, it, we tend to think of it as um, particularly the people in the office. Um, so, so obviously, Catalyst, you know, traditionally is associated with being in the building. Um, but as you connect those points together, things like Wi-Fi, things like security, um, you know, having a much denser population, maybe in certain places in a building that, you know, they're not like spread out everywhere like they were in the old days. Uh, now they're in like one floor, one conference room, and the the density and the bandwidth that that's hitting that switch is much higher now. So how do you guys feel about uh, hybrid work? Like, does that resonate with uh, your, your customers and your business? Well, I, I, I'll go first. So... As a, um, you know, as a Cisco partner, I um, I don't take care of a single, you know, enterprise um, network, um, but I help, you know, a multitude of customers take care of their own networks. And so my customers really run the span. So I've got healthcare customers who have never gone to hybrid work. Uh, you know, they've they've needed to have their healthcare workers, you know in their hospitals and clinics. And so, uh, you know, I've got some customers at the one end for whom, you know, that work work remote thing is always going to be a really small part of their, you know, of their workforce all the way to the other end where I've, I've got customers who, um, you know, they're, they're accounting firms or maybe they're online firms and they are a hundred percent, uh, work remote and they don't have plans to go back uh, because they found that, you know, through the last two years that they can conduct their business just as well with all all or most of their workforce um, completely remote. And then I've got customers, you know, in between, uh, you know, on like on every every dot in between those two two ends. And so, you know, I, I think somebody said here that, you know, hybrid work is a million things to a million different people. And I and I really see it from from every every angle of the spectrum. I'll go next. Um, I, I'm going to come up with a brand new phrase here. And I'm going to say that hybrid work is basically LISP for the work world. It, it's location. <laughs> it's location independent. Lisp. We're bringing back LISP. It's you heard it here first. 
Sean's, I love it. Sean's excited. Um, but it's it's basically it though. Is is it doesn't matter where you are. If you're at home, if you're, I've talked to people that at the outside of the pandemic, they're like, "This is awesome. I'm going to work from an RV." It doesn't matter where I am. If I've got connectivity, I can work anywhere. Uh, you know, so you've got your corporate offices, data centers, you've got satellite offices. We used to have the kind of the small, you know, 10, 20, 30% of the workforce that was remote. And now we're getting to a position where you could have 70 or 80% remote and having the ability to have the flexibility. So if you're if you're in the office two days a week and remote three days a week or whatever that that might be. You can have a consistent experience. You're you're functioning the same way. The the applications, the performance, how things work, the way that access is set up is consistent no matter where you are. You don't have this set of policies for these people and this set for those people and these people connect this way. It's it's really being able to seamlessly move wherever you are. The the technology just works. That was great. Um <clears throat> When I think about hybrid work, I, I think about two um, two other phrases: um, is healthier mind and healthier life. For some reason, uh, we've been stuck at work and for so many hours, for so long, doing things, doing that in a fixed amount of time that only extend to the latest um, in a fixed environment. And I think having the the, the possibility or, or the opportunity to to work from anywhere. You know, as long as you are not breaking, breaking, you know, any any security controls on any company policy when it comes to, you know, the the access to the net when the way things are accessed, I think it only brings uh, positive to the work industry in general. That that's that's what I see when I think about hybrid work. That's great. Um, and you know, everything you guys said uh, really resonates with me. Um, including the lisp um, appreciate that um, I think it's you know a, a wonderful point um, I mentioned that we've had some of these concepts in the past um, you know we were pitching byod and um, I think it was borderless networks for a while and these kind of things um, but really you know like Dan was saying to really see it happen um, and and then you know actually picking up on the lisp thing um, you know, we talked a lot about different technologies and and policy security being able to uh, have that move around so i think you know again speeds and feeds are important and and uh of course we're going to focus on that but a lot of these you know features and 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 capabilities are really where the value is when we talk about hybrid work okay um when when you were during your introduction Sean you mentioned something about um, you know the the some of the capabilities of the 9K catalyst switches and on, on you know on that you also included the wireless functionality. So when you talk about the wire and wireless functionality, are you talking about um, uh, providing both solutions in one box or are we talking about one operating system that is capable of doing both or, or both? How is it? Yeah, it, it's a little bit of all of those. Um... And, and the answer to that, I think, is uh, more about scale. Um, you know, you can use a Catalyst 9000 uh, as a wireless LAN controller, but it, it honestly, you know, it's, it's going to be limited scale. Um, so it's, it's great for branch solutions. Um, and particularly that 
itself is tied with software-defined access and um, DNA spaces and some of the offerings there at a, at a solution level. Um, so, you know, for, for anything, you know, more than just a small area, you want to have like a, a proper wireless LAN controller, you know, uh, these kind of things. And of course, the access points themselves. So I think it's actually kind of closer to your, your second question, which is, you know, a common set of ASIC CPU operating system. Um, you actually see this reflected in renaming catalysts. I know this was a, a, a talking point, you know, in, in past couple of years. Um, but renaming the wireless LAN controllers and access points uh, to the Catalyst 9000 family. But it, it's a direct um, reflection of that point, right? We, um, you know, put all that effort, everything we've learned from, um, you know, the AeroS products into iOS XE itself um, and bring, you know, that level of uh, quality and the consistency. So, so you know, the way that... Um, you know, software works and, and those kind of things that uh, it's a big value for the enterprise to have that seamless. I'll add one more thing uh, and bring it back one more time to SD access. Um, so the, over there, we have this uh, fabric enabled wireless. Um, so at an architectural, you know, network design level um, and particularly group based policy. So, so with uh, fabric enabled wireless, uh, one of the additional things we can add um, is we build a, a one-hop VXLAN tunnel from the access point to that first-hop catalyst switch um, and actually drop off the wireless data directly at that first-hop switch. Um, so if you think about it, now it, the wireless traffic is just like wired traffic. And so all of that you know, policy and you know, quality of service, security, policy-based routing can all happen uh, as soon as it enters the network. Piggyback that a little bit. You, you yeah, I was going to say, can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah. If we're bringing in wireless and we're doing that, you mentioned uh, Wi-Fi 6E. I mean, there's we're bringing a lot of a lot of traffic into these switches, and with again with 6E, there's a lot of bandwidth that's coming in. How are we handling that on the 9KXs? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, because we as industry folks throw around terminology and not always have you know context that goes with it. So, you know, um, w without re rehashing what Wi-Fi 6E is, like you said, it's it's about more bandwidth, um, you know, it's having uh, more channels. Um, so not only that that each individual client can have a higher bandwidth, but I can get more of those people. Um, so like tying that with the hybrid work thing we talked about earlier, um, imagine just, you know, more people in... A single conference room, right, where they used to be spread out across multiple access points, across multiple access layer switches. They're all concentrated now in this one place. And, you know, we've got laptop, phone, tablet, smartwatch, whatever. Um, so on the switching side specifically, that translates into, you know, I need a, a bigger uplink from the access point to the switch port. Um, so, you know, we already have, have uh, introduced multi-gigabit Ethernet, but uh, one of the key things with the X-Series is the amount of multi-gig ports. Uh, before, it used to be like, you know, 12 ports of the total switch, you know, maybe 24 ports. Uh, with these new guys, we can actually offer the entire 48 ports of multi-gig Ethernet. And for anyone not familiar with multi-gig, that means greater than one gig. 2.5, 5 gig, all the way up to 10 gig, 10 G base T. Um, so these are, you know, 48 ports of 10 gig copper to that access point. Um, 
And then, you know, I'll add one more point there. Um, the I mentioned the density, so the scale. When people are spread out, you know, I've got a certain number of hosts, certain number of MAC addresses, certain number of IPs on that one switch. Because they're concentrated now, uh, adding additional MAC scale and, and IP scale on that access switch is very important. Just to kind of dig that a little deeper. So if you're talking 48 ports, up to 10 gigs per port, 480 gigs of throughput on a switch, if my math is right, um, uplinks. I mean, if we're if we're pushing that, can we, you know, we've had 10 gig uplinks and we've had 25 and 40. Can we go on the, the new switches? Can we go above 40 gig uplinks? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, 9300 is the, the fixed option and 9400 is the modular option. Uh, so the answer is for both. Um, on the uh, 9300, uh, 9300X, I should say X to clarify, um, there are new network modules. Um, and, and just like you said, you exactly said it right. Um, things like 25 gig, um, 100 gig Ethernet uh, with QSFP. Um, and you'll see the same thing on the 9400X. Uh, so there's a new supervisor over there and it has 25 gig and um, 100 gig uplink ports on there. Um, and, you know, a little nice little side story there. Um, one of the key things with 25 gigs specifically uh, is you can reuse the same cabling that you have today. So if, if folks are looking, you know, already have 10 gig today, they're like, uh, I, I know I need to increase my uplink bandwidth, but I don't know if I'm ready to change my fiber. Uh, they should be looking at 25 gig. That's great. Um, since we're talking about the need for the speed, quote unquote, um, let me ask, and, and you know, like, okay, we're talking about 10 gigs, 40 gigs. So what's the main difference then between the Nexus 9Ks and the Catalyst and the Catalyst 9K? Because, you know, before the whole, uh, not selling point, but the whole technical point of, you know, Nexus was the speed, you know, the, the, how much you can achieve and, 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 and the throughput and everything else. So what's the difference now between, the Nexus 9Ks and this Catalyst 9Ks. Yeah, um, and this comes up a lot, actually. This is like half of my life right here in this one question. Um, how I usually try to explain it is, you know, 80, even 90% is is similar. Um, but it's the same if you talk about like, a, you know, a, a passenger car versus a truck, right? If you look at truly 80, 90% of it, it's the same. They, they all have four wheels, maybe more, uh, you know, they have a drivetrain, an engine, dashboard, etc. But, you know, the reason that you buy a pickup truck versus a passenger car is where the real difference and it becomes very, very clear, right? So you can apply similar kind of logic here. Um, if it's just speeds and feeds, I think that applies generally across both. Um, another part is kind of the, uh, the geography. I use this word a lot when talking about um, campus. Because, you know, campus tends to be spread out, well, the, the physical geography of the campus, right? When, a, when a, you have a data center, even service providers and, and co-location facilities, these tend to be a building, right? Um, it may be a massive building, but it's, you know, very co-located, very similar um, distances, meters, right? But uh, human beings, you know, we operate in buildings on different floors and there may be multiple buildings these kind of things. Um, so just the, the types of connections, they may, they may not be as dense. Maybe that's a better word. 
Um, a data center and service provider tends to be very, very dense. So I need lots and lots of these interfaces. Uh, where a campus is not as dense, but uh, like the uplinks that, that Dan was talking about, those suddenly become very critical. You know, that's a, a fiber cable running through the wall back to some, you know, uh, wiring closet somewhere. And, uh, you know, what's the maximum throughput I can get out of that, that cable that's already in the wall. Um, so, you know, there are other things, um, things like power over ethernet, um, you know, that, uh, copper cabling and, uh, providing electricity on that copper cabling. Uh, this is very unique to, to a campus environment. So it's, it's those sorts of things, right? Um, there's a set of reasons that uh, the, the CADIS is built for campus and Nexus is built for data center. Sean, do you want to talk to us a little bit about um, the, um, the network automation and programmability of the new CAT uh, 9KXs? Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, traditionally, right, of course, we have command line and SNMP and these kind of things, all you would expect. And, and since it's actually a good segue talking about Nexus and uh, and Catalyst, you know, the data center really saw a drive towards automation, uh, programmability, you know, whatever these terms are, but, you know, effectively uh, remote network management, um, generally uh, machine driven as, as opposed to, you know, uh, human driven. Um, and, you know, it, it has completely revolutionized the data center, right? So people just naturally... Um, as part of their operations and, and how the staff, you know, works the network, um, that has also kind of come into uh, the campus. Um, so the good news, short answer, is that, you know, we we fully support uh, NetConf, RESTConf. Uh, there's a full suite of Yang models, both uh, config models and opera models. Uh, so we have lots of customers, actually, that, um, you know, again, like just part of their natural operations are now running their Cat9K switches uh, using programmability. It all gets back to that hybrid work conversation we started out, doesn't it? Yeah, more with less. Yeah, now you, now you say more or less, that makes me think, um, you know, it takes me back to the whole hybrid um, introduction, how, you know, it, it makes sense with the way things are now, you know, having 70% of the users working from anywhere and maybe 30% in the offices, you might not need, you know, those big bulky core switches anymore. And you might rely when it comes to, you know, to connect to enterprise, you might rely on just using the nine case instead of, you know, those seven Nexus, you know, you know, they were pretty big and hot. Well, I don't know about you, but I've been in a few data centers and they are sometimes miserable places to be in. So I have, I have, uh, you know, no doubt why, you know, remote network management started out in data centers because nobody really wants to actually physically be there. Um, I have another question for you, Sean, since we're here. Uh, I know we talk about the hybrid work and the management wired and wireless, but something that is very important nowadays and, and it's just becoming more relevant as time goes by is the security and cybersecurity functionality and and an approach of you know or when it comes to everything. So when it comes to this to this um, Catalyst family, what are some of the security functionalities? I also read that they include um, some integration with Umbrella and DNS protection. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, that's actually a, a very interesting uh, area to go into. Um, you know, one of the things we, we pride ourselves on, I, I mentioned this earlier, is, you know, the extra stuff, right? The additional value beyond just speeds and feeds. You got to have the speeds and feeds and everybody in the industry can do that. So security is one of those critical areas. Um, and, and even within security, you know, there's there's like tiers or levels of security you can go. Um, you know, I would expect any switch in the industry can do basic things like, you know, ACLs and, and even, you know, a certain degree of uh, network access control. But, you know, as you kind of move up that level, um, one of the things you mentioned was uh, Umbrella and SIG. Um, so in that particular example, I can talk through several examples, but in that particular one, um, it, it's more of a branch thing. I'll, I'll there's a big, big story around Umbrella just by itself. And, and anyone not familiar with that, um, you know, we just throw off this term. Uh, it's things like DNS filtering, uh, URL inspection. So, you know, I'm on my laptop and I'm, you know, browsing to some website. Um, and, and you know, I'm just an average Joe. You know, I think I'm going to a good website, but I'm actually going to, you know, some malicious website, right? The, um, the transaction is being looked at by uh, Umbrella and says, oh, wait, this is a malicious website, right? Or or it is a good one, right? So what the switch is doing is working directly with Umbrella to provide that capability for you. Um, so, you know, those kind of capabilities are, again, are the kind of the additional uh, add. Um, and you particularly see these in, in uh, branch offices um, where, you know, and we have other solutions like with the Cisco routers, um, Perhaps, you know, the, the branch isn't big enough yet to to install um, a full router to do these capabilities. So <clears throat> there's other things. Um, for instance, uh, utilizing our application hosting, um, we can also run uh, various uh, security and monitoring capabilities local to the switch. Um, one thing in this same category is uh, we're looking at uh, putting an ASA firewall on the switch and, um, you know, it, it, it's still going to be limited by the total throughput of that hosted application. Um, so it's the same kind of story with the router, right? There's still a reason to have a full-blown uh, firewall in that spot. But, you know, if I have a, a reasonably sized location, uh, I can just run it through the switch. Uh, so there's actually a whole set of, of security capabilities built in here. When you say firewall... Um ASA, you're saying ASA de Lina code, or are you talking about firepower? So it's a bit of both, um, because um, it, it can be both, because it's based on uh, application hosting, um, which I probably should elaborate on that. Um, the switches themselves, it's just like uh, having a physical server, right? A physical server is a bunch of CPU cores, uh, DRAM, and then some kind of storage. So one of the capabilities we've we've added to the Catalyst 9000, and, and we've really enhanced it with the X-Series, is this um, additional CPU cores, additional RAM, uh, the connection from the switch ASIC to the CPU. Um, and anyway, back to the point, um, now that I kind of have this infrastructure, I can host pretty much anything. Um, so we're working directly with the ASA team and uh, the Firepower team. Um, it, and then it's on the management side, right? So, you know, if I'm a, a SecOps team, I'm used to kind of going into uh, that, you know, controller orchestration uh, interface. 
Um, and this just appears as a, as a virtual firewall in that orchestration view. So dig into the, the application hosting a little bit. That one, that's container-based. Is that kind of a virtual machine? How, how does that operate? Yeah, uh, it's container-based. Um, it's, it's a Linux-based kernel. Um, we actually can run KVM. Um, but if, if the listeners are familiar, a, a VM is like a full stack. It's, it's as though you installed, you know, Windows or Mac or Linux, um, you know, from the bootloader all the way up through the operating system. And then finally, the application. Uh, when we talk about containers, container strips out all of that operating system, low level stuff. And it really just focuses on the app. Um, so it's a much more lightweight uh, approach to it. So for that reason, um, you know, we, we prefer containers. I have a last question. Um, I know that uh, the new Cat 9 KXs have the same chip as the, um, the, the brand new Cisco 8Ks. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what, why they have the same ASIC. What would be the advantages? How could you, you know, take advantage of that kind of... Um, that uh, homogeneity now across uh, the two different platforms and, and what does that provide? Yeah, great question. Um, I didn't know if we were going to go into that. Um, we spent a lot of time talking about the access layer. Um, so particularly in the core, um, we did touch on it a little bit, talking about uh, Nexus 9K and Catalyst 9K. Um, you know, the... Everything we said about, you know, more people connecting to wireless, um, you know, that needs more bandwidth and more scale on the access layer. You can apply that same logic to the core. Now I have a bunch of access layer switches all coming back. Um, you know, we talked about 100 gig uplinks and these kind of things. So I need more, you know, 100 gig downlinks to connect all those 9300, 9400Xs. Um, and then, you know, I want to connect to the service provider. I want to connect to my data center. Um, so talking about things like 400 gig Ethernet already, um, and then the scale, right? Uh, it really is the same kind of logic that I talked about at the Axis. Just imagine an entire campus now coming back to this box. Um, so, you know, what was once a, a few hundred thousand now needs to be uh, MAC addresses and, and uh, routing entries. Now I need millions. Um so, you know, uh, also some customers are looking at this to be, um, you know, a direct internet connection. Um, so if I want to take the entire internet routing table into this box, uh, these kind of things. So it's, it's really in that category. Um, the other thing uh, you, you kind of touched on there is, um, you know, this is present on the new Cisco 8000 series, which is a service provider system. Um, it's actually it's it's a benefit both for Cisco and and for any customers, um, because we can uh, you know much more rapidly have you know common development uh, testing and quality uh, across this ASIC family, um, and so that's where you know you'll you'll see both similarities and then again kind of that that extra ten twenty percent uh, that's unique to that environment. So um, you know the Cisco eight thousand series is iOS XR and they're still going to be focused on service provider functions um, and features um, where the Catalyst 9000, uh, including the X-Series, um, is iOS XE and very focused on campus. Um, so that's where the differences will be. So you'll see a lot of commonalities, uh, but then still get the benefits of, uh, you know, purpose-built. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> so Sean, um, yeah, we've been talking about so many, you know, jumping up, you know, going up and down about some technical stuff and, and comparing and, and, and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, for, for our, I know this information is probably out there, but for our listeners, can you give a few examples of what would be the upgrade path, you know, like moving from a 2960, 2960 XR or the 3850 family, you know, and all wireless controllers to the new um, model of the 9K family? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we don't normally talk about it, but the the numbers, uh, you know, the, the nomenclature, the, the number of the family uh, was a direct representation of its successor. So the 9200 was directly designed to fit CAT 2K. 9300 for CAT 3K, 9400 for CAT 4K, um, 9600 for CAT 6K, right? So you guys, um, you guys just made the names easier to remember when you talk to customers. <laughs> That's what you're telling me you did. Yes, yes, there's method to that madness. I, I seem um, to recall there's like a the, there's a study sessions uh, in the CCNA trying to figure out all of the the crazy nomenclature, and and you just spilled it in one shot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yes. Oh, I can see that right now. Even worse. So um, that's cool. That's cool. What we also tried to do, um, you know really trim it down to uh, like fixed configuration and modular configuration, right? Um, and, and even between kind of like access and core, you know, a, a copper, um, you know, one gig, 10 gig focus, because that's what the access layer needs. So we were talking about this earlier. Uh, and then kind of a, a fiber focused, which, which tends to be in the core, right? So now I've got four basic models, fixed, modular, copper, fiber. Um, the... Uh, you know, on the wireless side, you mentioned the wireless, similar kind of thing. Um, and, you know, there's only so many numbers, right? So it became 9,800 because it sits typically at the, the core or maybe in your data center. But we wanted to be really clear that it's, you know, part of the Catalyst family. Um, and then uh, the access points, 9,100, right? So you've got a sense now that like this is this is an end-to-end -end Catalyst 9004 wired and wireless. I'll add one more nugget to, to maybe uh, drop the mic. Um, particularly for the switching, uh, and this is true across all of those and including the brand new, uh, Catalyst 9000 X series, it is one single image, one universal image. Doesn't matter if I put it on a 9300 or a 9600 X. That's amazing. That'll make somebody's day. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. You've talked about a lot of, a lot of cool things and you've clearly got a lot of, a lot of history in the Catalyst space. With the new new line of switches, what would you say is the coolest thing that they bring to the table? That is on the spot. Oh boy. <laughs> um, ah man, because um, there's like so many. Like right. we we, we, ha we have talked through them. Um, I think honestly, MGig is probably the most revolutionary. Uh, I don't even like using the word revolutionary. Um, I believe most technology is evolutionary in its nature. Um, but to, you know, really just enable the users and, and I'll, I'll take a small tangent. Uh, I promise to keep it short. You know, the, 
one of the key differences of data center and campus, I, I touched on this, it's about humans, right? It's um, it's not virtual machines and, and servers, it's human beings and how human beings connect. So one of the most critical things is enabling those human beings and the machines they're using uh, to connect at higher bandwidth and getting more and more of them, right? So, um, you know, multi-gig ethernet all by itself is one of those critical enablers. Um, and then the rest of it kind of builds up around that. All right. Well, I think that's a good good place to close. Um, as always, this has been another phenomenal episode of Cisco Champion Radio. Want to learn more about the Catalyst 9000 switching family? Check out the link provided in the show notes below. And of course, this is your weekly reminder. Please subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform so you can receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week.